on the one hand, it's talking about billboards. On the one hand, it's talking about SUV adverts. But actually, it touches on some bigger questions about how do we want to run our economy? What's the purpose of our economy? What's our vision of the good life? What do we want our public spaces to look and feel like? What do we want our priorities to be more throwaway, fast fashion, junk food, and NAF brands, stuff and messages down us through advertising? Or do we want it to be about connection with nature or mutual aid and solidarity that we saw blossoming during the coronavirus lockdown? Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. A recent report by the UN found that the richest 1% of the world's population produced double the combined carbon emissions of the poorest 50%. In an article by the BBC, Professor Peter Newell argued that it is the responsibility of the wealthy to use their funds and change their behaviour to promote more climate-friendly practices because they are the ones who are the most able to do this. Instead of buying SUVs and treating air travel as the norm, those who can afford to alter their lifestyle and buying habits should But this is not the message being shared by the advertisers of these products. At Restart, we see this problem in our work too. The promotion of high-impact electronics like smartphones, televisions, computers and tablets focuses on luxury and an urgent need to keep up to date with the latest tech. This results in massive amounts of e-waste, most of which is in perfectly usable condition and in a rate of production that our planet cannot sustain. In this month's episode of the Restart podcast, I talk with Robbie Gillett from the climate charity Possible, formerly known as 1010 Climate Action, about their advertising campaign which aims to combat the advertising that promotes the most polluting industries, from SUVs to airlines to oil companies. They are trying to push back on the fantasy that these harmful companies promote through their advertising campaigns. Hi, my name is Robbie Gillett. I'm the advertising campaign manager at climate charity Possible. Advertising is our campaign against advertising for high carbon products like SUVs, polluting cars, airline flights and advertised by fossil fuel companies too. Possible is a UK-based climate change charity that focuses on solutions to the climate crisis and making those solutions accessible and available at an everyday level to everyone. It used to be called 1010 Climate Action, encouraging organisations to cut their carbon emissions by 10% by 2010. It recently went for a name change since the year 2010 was quite a while back and is now called Possible. Whether it's encouraging tree planting in local communities or also campaigning for onshore wind and stop the aviation industry getting cash bailouts from public money or the more recent advertising campaign or our our work on creating car-free cities in London, Birmingham, Leeds and Bristol. Possible is working on quite a few different projects that make the transition to a a low-carbon future desirable, achievable and implementable as soon as possible. Could you tell us a little bit more about the strategy that underpins the advertising campaign? The advertising campaign builds on some 
pre-existing strands of broader anti-advertising work that has existed in the UK, in the US, Europe and elsewhere for a number of decades, such as the ad busters of the 1990s or the subvertising campaigns like Brandalism and others that came along in 2012 onwards, or some of the community campaigns that have existed in cities like Bristol, groups like Adblock Bristol that have been campaigning against outdoor advertising big billboards and digital screens. The bad advertising campaign specifically wanted to look at the problem of highly sophisticated advertising promoting products that are pushing us further towards climate crisis. There's some specific products we focus on that are kind of the worst examples of highly polluting products, such as these huge SUV sports utility vehicles that we're seeing increasingly on our streets, such as airline flights and promotions, as well as advertising by fossil fuel companies themselves, such as Shell, BP, ExxonMobil, Total, all those big oil majors that you occasionally see public relations campaigns from those big oil companies talking about all their investments in renewable energies and misleading public relations that they put out in order to shore up their social license offering. Whilst the bad advertising campaign, which began in August 2020, is focusing on those industries and those products in particular, we're also very alive to the fact that advertising in itself has a bigger role in our economic model of consumerism, a model that's really been accelerated under neoliberalism from the 1980s onwards of aspirational material owning stuff culture. It's just such a part of our everyday lives now that we express ourselves through our purchases and the aspiration and dreams to have more stuff in our lives. That's just the kind of cultural background that we operate in, that we've very much normalised. In terms of how our consumer habits are still very influenced by advertising, especially in terms of the products that are being sold to us that are greatly impacting the climate crisis, how do you see that landscape at this moment? It's a very well financially resourced landscape. The advertising industry as a whole in the UK is worth £24 billion per year. The car industry, as a smaller example, spends £1.2 billion per year marketing its products. And the UK in particular is a kind of world leader in advertising, in promoting products. And there's a lot of very talented, creative minds working in advertising. And so that's actually part of the problem. Some of our best minds in the country, creative minds, artists, brilliant thinkers, drawers, video makers, etc., all put to work selling problematic products such as new cars or plastics products, or fast fashion, or junk food. And that's a real problem because we've got lots of social crisis, climate crisis, uh, environmental problems. And we need those creative minds to be working for a better world. And I think I talk to a lot of people in industry who, who share that concern, who feel this kind of like existential wrangling about their work, um, that sometimes they work really hard and put loads of creative energy and lots of financial resource into creating these ad campaigns and it gnaws at their soul a little bit. They're like, I want to be doing something else with my time. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me as someone who is kind of within the creative industries. I guess it's like a kind of moral injury if you're working always on something that you know is doing damage. And then at the same time, what you're saying suggests to me that one of the potential ways to to change this dynamic is to harness those skills to communicate different ideas, like to advertise for good, if you see what I mean. 
Yeah, and there's been some really interesting moves from within the advertising industry itself. Groups such as the Purpose Disruptors, for example, are advertisers themselves. People come from communications backgrounds and they're, like many of us, really concerned about the climate crisis and concerned with the industry's historic role in promoting polluting products as well. There's a few immediate things that people in the advertising industry can do. One is to reject the brief, we call it, or drop the brief, meaning reject work from big polluters, oil majors like BP Shell, don't do their bidding. Don't shore up their social license to operate, maintain their the public credibility and acceptability. I think oil companies are some of the worst examples. And there's been a very interesting development in the States with a group called Clean Creatives who are doing that. They're saying, we're creatives and we don't want to work on oil briefs. You could actually expand that lens to say, well, Actually, oil companies are one part of the climate problem, but we've also got huge ad campaigns by car companies promoting polluting SUVs or airlines sort of ignoring the climate crisis and, and just going for growth. The companies which are considered environmentally damaging that creators can boycott can be quite narrowly defined or, or more broadly defined. And then, of course, going back to a conversation about consumerism more generally, to what extent is there a form of sustainable consumerism that can be promoted? That is a big debate and one that we need to grapple with. And I think for the advertising industry itself, for an industry built on that fundamental model of capitalist growth, effectively, of selling more and more units of product on a planet of finite resources, basically, you're coming up against the growth model of our current economic system. So whilst drop the brief, reject the brief work is a really important start, it's brilliant that advertising industry personnel are engaging with that there is a wider conversation that needs to be had about the economic model that advertising serves yeah absolutely and and not putting people in this bind of having to reject the money that they need to live in order to make a sustainable planet that they want to live in Why have you chosen to specifically focus on the targets that you have, such as fossil fuel companies, the airline industry and car manufacturers? We're focusing on them because they're the kind of worst offenders and the most easy to understand in terms of public campaigning. It's like there's BP. They've got a very tarnished public reputation already. People will understand that they're a major polluter and there's been pre-existing campaigns to kick them out of sponsorship of our arts museums and galleries, for example. And similarly, the car industry, the likes of Volkswagen, BMW and others have a lot to answer for in terms of lying to the public about their emissions performances, like the VW scandal that's been rolling on for the last five years. More at a political level, using delaying and obfuscating tactics to hinder regulation and legislation on climate change, both in the USA and in Europe. The car companies have been very guilty of that. And there's good work on this been done by Influence Map and Dsmog. And airlines similarly have just been dragging their feet for the last 20 to 30 years on what are they going to do about the highly polluting emissions that their business operates on. Most recently, we've been looking at SUVs and the problems that they present. We've seen, and you might have observed yourself in the street, a huge increase in these large sports utility vehicles, off-road, 4x4, Land Rovers, Range Rover, Vox, these bigger cars, to the point that today, 40% of new vehicle purchases 
are SUVs. And Possible and the New Weather Institute that we're partnered with in running the advertising campaign released a report just yesterday in early April that 75% of new SUV purchases are registered to urban addresses. So if you look at an SUV advert on the television or magazine you'll often see a vehicle courageously driving through a river or bounding across a rugged mountainscape or country field and you'll see these motifs of like back to nature in SUV advertising the reality of it is that loads of them are just ending up in our urban spaces and that's really bad news for air pollution and it's really bad news for climate change an SUV produces on average 25% more CO2 emissions than an average size medium car and that's got similarly bad effects for local air pollution in our cities and air pollution as we all know is a, is a huge problem it's killing over 9,000 people a year in London and many more thousands around the country so emissions from road transport are a problem and SUVs have been very much marketed at car drivers as a desirable luxury status symbol because they're much more profitable the the profit margins on SUVs are considerably higher so what we're seeing is a car industry that is really reluctant to take its climate commitment seriously and are now having some important legislation pushed on them by an environmental movement such as the 2030 phase out of diesel, petrol and plug-in hybrid vehicles. But, you know, the car companies have been really lobbying against that uh, and resisting that as much as they can. And our point is that we are campaigning to stop the advertising of these polluting vehicles as well. So we've got a petition going to the UK government calling for an end to SUV advertising, or more specifically, an end to advertising of the dirtiest third of polluting vehicles. And our argument is, even though there's a 2030 phase-out date for petrol, diesel and plug-in hybrid vehicles, we can't have the 2020s full of an increasing rise of SUV sales because those cars, those vehicles will stay on the road much beyond the 2030 date. So kind of what you're talking about there is is almost like a an idea that maybe in the future those types of adverts might contain a planetary health warning like has been done with cigarettes or in fact be banned in certain contexts or maybe in all contexts like has been done with cigarettes as well. Yeah, absolutely. A big part of the advertising campaign is learning the lessons from the tobacco campaign and public health measures that were introduced around there. So there's very similar parallels between big tobacco and big oil and big polluters in their public relations tactics. Going back from when tobacco first was identified as a health warning, I think in the 1950s, big tobacco employed doctors to appear on their adverts to tell them that, you know, X percent of doctors smoke camel cigarettes. You know, it's just shocking to look at now. You managed to get doctors to tell the public that smoking was safe, even though there was emerging evidence that it was not. That is a feat of public deception and it took decades of public health campaigning to see increasing measures introduced and it was only as recently as 2003 that billboards for advertising cigarettes and tobacco products was prohibited in the UK and in Europe around that time as well but I remember growing up and seeing those companies advertise around the edges of cricket matches and other sporting events you know it's like like sport running around being healthy have a Benson and Hedges cigarette it's just laughable now but that was the world we were in back then and we actually draw on that parallel for the advertising campaign it's like all right so we're in a climate crisis we're beginning to wake up and face up to that reality but what we've still got this multi-billion pound industry promoting polluting cars right and is there scope in the future to include other iconic consumer products like electronics or televisions because the carbon footprint in terms of manufacture of a of a tv is 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 pretty much the same as a european flight 
you know, we haven't really thought about it to answer your question, actually, whether we'd be campaigning in, say we were quickly successful and managed to get all these advertising for fossil fuel companies, airline flights and polluting cars prohibited, which, you know, is going to be a big uphill challenge. Right. I suppose this goes back to the earlier point about one of the reasons we're keen to keep the broader conversation about consumerism and electronic waste and the kind of like throwaway culture that has developed and the lack of repair shops and repair culture. We are keen to make sure that our campaign against these particular industries and particular products doesn't lose sight of that bigger picture. And, and you go one step further in terms of you, you help residents to oppose new billboards altogether. What are the inspirations for doing that? Yeah, so I... I actually have two jobs. I'm also the co-founder of Adblock Bristol, which is a city campaign in Bristol, southwest England, to reduce and remove lots of the outdoor big advertising billboards that we see in, in our streets, particularly concerned with the rollout of new digital screens, which require a lot of energy to run a large New digital advertising screen, for example, takes the same amount of electricity as 11 average UK homes. Or a double-sided screen at a bus stop takes the same amount of electricity as four average UK homes. This is a waste of energy. And also making our streets and public space full of like more distracting screens. And actually our public spaces could be full of lots of other things. It could be full of public art, murals, green spaces, rewilded community gardens. Right. The advertising campaign is working with Ad Free Cities, which is now the national network of groups that sprung out of the local campaign, Adblock Bristol. And that's supporting residents to submit objections to planning applications for new digital screens. So there's a new movement ecology of different groups working at a very local city neighbourhood level, as well as these bigger national campaigns against SUV advertising and petitioning national government. Also interfacing with local councils and calling on local councils to introduce low carbon advertising policies, for example. And what we mean by that is bans on advertising for high carbon products. And there's also all the, the subvertising networks as well, the direct action creative groups who are going out there, putting up interesting artwork on billboards or, or taking over bus stop spaces with their own satirical creative designs. So it's, yeah, it's an interesting space to be organising in with all these different groups in the mix. Yeah, I mean, like... Anybody that is interested in doing graffiti, there's all of these amazing canvases that have been put up for you. Of course, I wouldn't necessarily endorse that or not endorse that, although I'm a big fan of graffiti art. Yeah, the public debate around graffiti and street art, graffiti and tagging is very unpopular with residents. It does get people's backs up. But as soon as it gets into the more creative side of, of street art and interesting murals of colour, and there's a lot more public support and public appreciation for them. The way this interfaces with advertising is, well, who has the right to the visual realm in public space? And under the economic system we have at the moment, is that if you can pay to put your messages up on big advertising billboards, which is mostly only available to the big corporations, multinational firms with the marketing budgets to buy these ad spaces. And actually the point about the democracy of our cities and who has the right to public space, graffiti and street art contest that illegally often by putting up artwork on, on walls in public space. And that can be done more sensitively and less sensitively and more socially acceptably and less socially acceptably. And there's a whole debate around that, of course. But actually, what do we want our cities to look like? Do we want them filled with digital screens promoting the new Big Mac meal? 
or do we want a community mural celebrating a figure in our community who campaigned for better housing or for a women's refuge to open or some other celebration or, or artwork? And that's yeah, and that's an interesting debate to dive into when writing an objection to a planning application for a new digital screen in Bristol, as we often do. Right. I mean, Bristol is a very good example of that. I mean, I've got family in Bristol. I love Bristol. And obviously, everybody knows Banksy's from Bristol. So like graffiti in Bristol is one of the appeals of going to Bristol. Similarly, Berlin or Melbourne, there's there's places all around the world where graffiti is 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 part of what makes those cities great. I can't think of anywhere where I would say the advertising is part of what makes a city great, you know. Absolutely, very much, yeah. And it does seem like far too many people saw Blade Runner and didn't realise it was a dystopia. I love Manchester. Again, there's graffiti, there's there's great buildings from the past, but you have to get past the digital boards that assail you as you come to, into Manchester Piccadilly Station. What other policy tools or levers does the campaign have at its disposal, both current and in the future? We're thinking about the competition and the market's authorities' commitment to scrutinise false climate claims or trading standards or public interest litigation. Yeah, good question. I'll quickly hop back to an earlier point you made about climate health warnings, which similar to the kind of tobacco health warnings that we now see on cigarette packaging. And they started putting those health warnings along the bottom. But when they realised that wasn't really having enough effect, eventually the adverts were removed altogether. But those health warnings remain on the packets and other places. And you can imagine something happening similarly on petrol pumps. So when you fill out a petrol station, we're reminded of the environmental damage and climate impacts of the petrol you're filling up with. And that's actually been introduced in Cambridge, Massachusetts in, in the United States. Elsewhere, there's scope for the Advertising Standards Authority to really up its game with regards to the climate impacts of advertising. The Advertising Standards Authority, the ASA, is the self-regulatory body in the UK. And you know, I'd say it's really been asleep at the wheel when it comes to reckoning with the advertising industry's role in climate change. It is structurally set up to be very pro the advertising industry. It's staffed largely by advertising industry personnel and funded by advertising industry companies. The whole paradigm that the ASA is working under is that advertising is good for the economy, it's good for businesses, it's good for growth, etc. So it's not really set up to deal certainly with these big issues about consumerism and how advertising plays into consumerism and other planetary problems arising from resource extraction and pollution and plastics dumping in the sea and all that. The ASA is not set up to deal with that big economic question about the structure of our economy. The ASA is mostly concerned whether an advert is misleading or harmful. And the fact that a fossil fuel company ad might be harmful by causing climate change that's not how the asa currently defines harm they more mean like you know are you using offensive language or is it going to lead to dangerous behaviors the advertising standards authority is really missing the bigger picture on fossil fuel company advertising and urgently needs to step up to its responsibilities as the self-regulator and is the bad advertising campaign limited to the UK or are you working in or with other countries as well? We are largely focused and based in the UK. We are networking and talking with other similar campaigns in other countries. So Amsterdam, for example, has introduced a ban on fossil fuel and airline advertising at a city level. The municipal government there in Amsterdam introduced that in December 2020. 
France is a really interesting country to look at in terms of ecological movements and anti-advertising movements. They've got a much more mature movement going back to the early 90s. The French city of Grenoble, for example, removed most of their billboards back in 2015. The mayor there said, you know, we wanted to free up public space for public expression. And actually, we didn't really need all these billboards selling us new stuff the whole time. It was definitely an inspiration for city campaigns like Adblock Bristol too. So we are talking to campaigners in France. They've recently had a citizens convention on climate and some of the recommendations of that citizens convention was to end advertising for SUVs, airlines and fossil fuel companies. Interestingly, the French government said, okay, yeah, we'll implement your recommendations and then big oil lobby groups intervened to water down that proposed legislation, which speaks to the kind of political economic landscape and corporate interests we're up against as part of a transition to a low carbon world. There's some very powerful vested interests with business models that are built on pollution and resource extraction, and they're not going to go away quietly. And we're going to need a lot of different campaigns using a lot of different tactics to overcome their self-interest. And so how can our listeners get involved if they want to help to put pressure on these big corporations? There's lots of ways that you can get involved with the advertising campaign. Firstly, do sign our petition against advertising for SUVs and polluting cars. But do give us a shout on Robbie at wearepossible.org. We've got local groups campaigning for bans on junk food advertising and advertising for high carbon products in Bristol, Leeds, Birmingham, Cardiff, South London, and if you'd like to start your own campaign and would want support, well, either Ad Free Cities or myself if possible could support you because taking individual action is one thing, but actually taking collective action is much more powerful. If you wanted to self-organise your own campaign, we'd be delighted to support you in that. But yeah, check out the website, badverts.org and do get in touch. Talking to Robbie, it was really clear that these kind of adverts are harmful in multiple ways. Not only are they promoting behaviours and attitudes that are furthering the climate crisis, they are also removing the opportunity for us to find alternatives. Where we could have spaces for community art projects, gardens, parks, spaces that promote social well-being and community. Instead, these precious spaces, especially in our urban areas, are filled up with harmful and misleading imagery and messaging. And of course, the messages that are communicated by adverts aren't just harmful in relation to the picture that they create around climate and around consumption. They are also harmful in many other areas, promoting certain ideas around gender and race and class and all sorts of things. Hopefully, Possible's work and the work of other campaigns across the country and across the world will help us to think more critically about the messages that we are being fed and how we can work against them. Although they are understandable places to start, all of this applies to more than just oil companies and car manufacturing giants. It also involves brands like Apple, Samsung and others who rely on the consumer's desire to always want the next new shiny technology, whether their current tech needs to be replaced or not. The advertising industry is a big giant to try to topple. 
doing so will involve changing the systems and the structures that create bad adverts. In many ways, we can only do that collectively. But our own individual actions, both in terms of our purchasing decisions and our activism, can be a part of that collective change. If you would like to get involved yourself, go to badverts.org. The work being done by Possible in their advertising campaign is a great step in the right direction to fight back against what adverts are telling us about ourselves and about our planet. is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the Restart Project where we've also set up a fundraiser so if you've enjoyed this episode do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast the music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between opto noise and cassini sound and big thanks to Restart's communications assistant, Holly, who did the research and planning for this episode. And now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other. Goodbye, everybody.